So the remainder of this summer, uh, we're going to be looking at some of the Psalms. Uh, one of my professors at seminary, uh, Dr. Brad, Brad Pribino, did his dissertation on how uh, Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran theologian, considered the Psalms the prayer book of the Bible. It's a pretty amazing book packed full of comfort for each one of us. And today we start our series with Psalm 121. Psalm 121. We read the word of the Lord. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, for your word is good. Your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Praise in your name. Amen. So back in, uh, in 2014, uh, we, were, we were one less child at, at that point in time. We were moving from, from Calgary, Alberta to, to Fergus Falls, Minnesota. We had, we had felt the call of the Lord to go to seminary. I'd, I'd been serving up in, in Canada as a youth, young adult director. Uh, for three and a half years, we were up at, at that church at Peace in, in Calgary. And then, and then it was time to go to Sem. And so I, I realized it was the time around like November. It was kind of like, all right, I, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, and so, well, really, I I'd started seminary that, that fall, actually. But I just planned on doing it distance. And so um, I've been doing like some online stuff. And I'm terrible at online, apparently. Like I realized that about myself. I'm really not good and that really good at slacking and putting things off and just kind of like scraping by. So I realized that if I was going to do seminary, if I was actually going to get something out of it, I needed to actually physically attend. And I came to that realization around November. So I let the elder board know and we announced to the church in February. And so as you're preparing for a big transition like that, a big move, like we didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know like what work was going to look like. And so you start saving. And so that's what we did. We started we started saving up our, uh, our, our funds specifically for, for the move. And man, I think it, it probably started around like May. Like all these just little things kind of started happening. Uh, Caleb, I, I love Caleb. He's fantastic. He's also really energetic and sometimes a little crazy. And, and we were in our living room and he had this toy. And he's just walking around. He's just swinging it above his head, you know, just doing his thing. And then he lets go of it at the perfect time. And it just smashes into my television. And I'm like, ah, okay. And this big crack just forms in the screen. It's like, all right, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with a crack. Like, that's just going to be something I'm going to have to, like, deal with now in my television. And as I'm watching it, it just keeps spreading. And I was like, oh, this is getting worse. And then suddenly there's these little pops. All up and down the crack. It just, like, starts going up. I'm like, oh, this. And then black. Bowling just died. I was like, Okay. Well, that, that's, that's the pits. Uh, that, that's a thing. Um, 
But, you know, we have enough saved up at this point that it, it should be fine for us to go and get another television. So that's what we did. A couple days later, like it was all in the same week, uh, Caleb put a Karen's deodorant into the toilet and flushed. And so we had to pay to get the plumber to come out and, and replace the toilet. A little bit later that week, some very nice individual decided to go down the cars that were parked outside on our street and take a knife and just one tire, just thunk, thunk. So I had to get a tire replaced. All these little things just kept adding up, but we were, we were still feeling pretty good, like we were all right. Uh, just that we continually had to have all these unexpected, very not normal expenses just kind of kept popping up. And then... And then it came time for the move. Now that summer was crazy just with everything. And I mean, uh, we had Silas, Karen had Silas that summer. It was just nuts. And it was finally towards the end of the summer. All of this craziness had happened. And my brother had just gotten married. And we were going back from, from his wedding. We were leaving to bring the family down to Fergus. We'd already brought all of the, the stuff, like all of our, I'd taken a U-Haul previous to this. And we'd gone down. So all of our stuff was in the house in boxes, but it was there, and it was just our family in our 2002 Dodge Caravan, and we're heading down, and at this point in time, I don't know if there's, the map is up behind me or not, but we, we got from, from Calgary to Medicine Hat, and, and the van started making some really bad noises. Now, our, our check engine light was pretty much always on in that thing, like that was, it was like a, it was a permanent fixture in the van, and so you never really knew, like if something was actually wrong, or if it was just a check engine light. So we're making some, some bad noises. And, and I, we pull off, and one of my friends had told me there was a possibility the transmission was gonna go on the van. And so we, we pull off, and uh, frantically trying to find the transmission place. We get back on the road, I'm able to get it started again, and we limp into this transmission place. And at this point, I mean, we left pretty early. It's like eight in the morning at this point in, in Medicine Hat. We're three hours into our trip, and it's eight in the morning, they've just opened up, and I file in with like all my kids in their pajamas and their little stuffed animal, and we're sitting in the waiting room trying to figure out like what's gonna happen with our van, what's gonna happen to us, like how is this gonna work? And, and the guy's like, yeah, I'll take it for a test run, and he, he, he brings it back real quick, he's like, I'm not making it around the block in this thing, how did you get across town? Like what's going on? Uh, this, is, this is really not good. And, and so we're stuck in, in Medicine Hat, and he, he gives us a quote in order to, in order to fix, in order to, uh, to, to repair this transmission, it's going to be $3,000. And we're like, that's pretty close to like the total that we had saved up that was supposed to last us until we could find work and, and like pay for our food. And like, like this is pretty much our kitty is now going to get sunk into this transmission and it was even more frustrating because we had had like all of our, our Canadian money, we had transferred it into American, and you always lose money on a transfer. And so we transferred it over, and so we had all this American, that we were, and we had enough money to get from, from Calgary to, to Estevan, where we were going to stay with some family, and then down into Fergus. And, and now I was going to have to transfer all this money back and get nailed again on the transfer, and it just... It was rough, so we end up like the, the lady, the, the, the wife of the man who owned the transmission place piles us all into her truck, and, and we end up heading over to this hotel, and, and we're stuck in this hotel, and I have no idea what's going on. Uh, the money that we had for gas to get us 
across Canada is now going for our hotel bill. And I remember like that night, like we didn't really know what to do for dinner. And there was a Walmart like a couple miles away. So I'm like walking to Walmart to buy like Doritos and like Lunchables or whatever for like, I didn't know what to get. We didn't have a stove or anything and we didn't have a microwave. So you're trying to find things that are like snacks that'll get you by until the next day. Just not really sure how all this is going to work out. And I'm supposed to be learning Greek at this time for seven. So I, I just rem- I have a very vivid memory of sitting on the bed with my kids, like kind of going crazy all around me because they've been stuck in this hotel room for the day. And, and watching television, the, the one shining light was that the, the Mariners, the Seattle Mariners baseball team was playing the Toronto Blue Jays. And since Canada only has one baseball team, every television in Canada gets the Toronto Blue Jays baseball games. And so I got to watch the Toronto Blue Jays play my team, which was nice. That was the one time, like, that year I'd been able to watch the Mariners play. And that was, like, the one, like, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know, not only if I'm going to be able to fully afford car stuff, because if we've had car troubles, we know that often we get quoted something, and then something wrong happens, like something bad takes place, and the next thing you know, it's, like, quite a bit more. And it's like, we're, we're pretty close to our ceiling right now. Like, it's not allowed to be much more than this, or we're going to have a bigger problem than we have currently. What is going on? Like, why is this happening? I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Like, I'm going to seminary. This is what God has called us to do. And we're like three hours into our trip, and all this stuff is going wrong? Like, all of this craziness is happening? You want to talk about feeling helpless? You know, they, they had us. Like, what could I do? What could we do at that point in time? We're just kind of stuck in this hotel room, and, and the bills are mounting up. We're not even really sure how we're going to eat. But, I mean, you just, you just hang out. And, and I just remember this overwhelming, like, I'm not sure how we're going to come out of this. I'm not, I'm not really sure how this is going to end up going well for us. How is this going to work? Verse 1 of our, of our psalm today. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Do we lift our eyes to the hills? In times like that, when, when things are, are like stacking up against us and it just, it just feels so overwhelming and we don't really know what the next step is, like, do we, do we lift our eyes to the hills? Or do we act more like King Ahaz? Do we act more like King Ahaz? We, uh, we meet King Ahaz in Isaiah, um, specifically the, the story I'm going to talk about in, in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, now, Ahaz is the king of, of Judah. And above Judah is Israel. And above Israel is Damascus, like Samaria. And then above them, kind of a little bit, I guess, probably in the map, this way it would be over here, is, is Assyria. Now, Assyria had kind of been this, like, group of, like, random nations, more or less. It's, I, I'm kind of like... Uh, uh, liken them to like the, the, the Mongols or whatever, right? You know, like before Attila the Hun was able to like 
get everybody underneath his banner. They were just a bunch of like different tribes. And then with Attila the Hun, they all got together and now they were super dangerous and they conquered everything basically at that point in time. That's kind of like what was going on with the Assyrians. They were a bunch of like different spread out groups. And then under, under this, this king comes in and, and they all like band together and it freaks out. It freaks out Samaria and it freaks out Israel. Judah's kind of like whatever, you know, they've got to get through you two before they get to me, so I'm not that worried about it. But Samaria and Israel are freaking out, and so they decide that they need to band together and hit Assyria first. Like, okay, we, we're going to get them first before they've really solidified their coalition, before they're really like firm underneath this king. We're going to go and take them out. But we don't really think we have enough people to do it ourselves. We would really like Judah to come and do it with us. And so the Sumerians and the Israelites, or really Samaria and Israel, they get together. So I know it's a little confusing because at this point, like Israel and Judah have like, um, they've, they've, they've split. So, so the, the Israel people are, are in two separate nations. But uh, anyway, Samaria and and Israel decide to attack Judah because they figure that the best way to get Judah to join their forces is to beat up on them, I guess. That, that's their plan, though, is they're going to come down and they're going to like beat up Judah so that Judah will get scared and fight Assyria with them. At the time of, of, of this passage, and, and we're going to read Isaiah chapter 7, um, verses uh, 10 to 12 first, and then we'll pick up with 13 to 14. But uh, at the time, God has, has spoken to his prophet Isaiah, and he says, Isaiah, go and meet Ahaz at this particular spot at this particular time and give him this message. And so, so it was, Isaiah does, and it happens that, uh, that Ahaz is walking around, and he's doing his thing, and he comes to this spot by the water, and Isaiah's there, and he gives him the first half of this message, and Ahaz is unmoved. And then we, we pick up again in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. He's saying, here's the deal, man. Like, you've got these nations out, like, allied against you, trying to get you to fight this bigger, badder nation. So, like, you're not in a good spot here. Like, you're in a pretty bad spot, actually. Like, things aren't going well for you right now. But all you have to do is ask me. All you have to do is lift your eyes to the hills. Ask me, ask me anything, and I will do that for you. I will save you from this situation that you have gotten yourself into, the situation that has presented itself to you. Just ask anything, and I will do it for you. We pick up in verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. God gives Ahaz a blank check, and Ahaz refuses to cash it. Why? Why does he say no? Why does he refuse to ask God for help? It's because he doesn't want God's help. Ahaz wants to be the hero of the story. Ahaz wants his own name written down in the histories of his people. He wants it to be his name that's given the glory for figuring out a way out of this predicament. He wants it to be the name of Ahaz that people refer to as their savior. 
as their hero. He wants to be the hero of the story. Do we? Do we want to be the hero of our story? Do we want to be the hero of our story? Superhero movies are like becoming a pretty big thing uh, right now. Like they're, I mean, they're, they're a lot of fun. And, and I personally have really enjoyed going to them. Like it's, it's just, it's a good time. Marvel's doing a wonderful job of, of bringing this, this superhero universe to life. Heroes are they're just becoming a big thing. And, and my kids are not immune to this. In fact, I have one that has basically just fallen in love with Black Panther. Like Silas just loves him some Black Panther. And, and so it's gotten to the point where there's like three pairs of pants that we can put on him because he has to be wearing his Black Panther pants. And, and so they're dark, basically. They're just these black like windbreakers or sweats or whatever it may be. And he's got to wear his Black Panther pants because he wants to be the hero, right? Like he wants to look like he's the hero. He, wa- he wants to be in that situation. Now, sometimes it's a little frustrating to get this kid to wear other pants because I mean, he doesn't just, like those aren't the only three pairs of pants he wears and sometimes because he wears them so much, they get a little dirty and they all end up in the washer at the same time. And so it wasn't too long, it was like a month ago now, something like that. I, I actually had to Google Chadwick Boseman in jeans, who is the actor that plays Black Panther, so that I could show Silas that sometimes Black Panther wears jeans. Like he's not always in his black suit, like he doesn't, he's not always dressed like that, that there are times when his dude wears jeans. And so because of that, I can sometimes get him back into jeans now. And I remember like the first day that I did it, like he puts on the jeans and he walks up to me and he's like, these are still Black Panther pants. Like this is, this is still, this is still Black Panther. Silas wants to be the hero, right? Like he wants to be Black Panther. And, and, and just like Ahaz, like he, he wants, he wants, he wants to be the hero. We want to be the hero. We want to be known as the good guys. We want to be known as the ones that have gotten ourselves out of the predicaments that we have gotten ourselves into or that have been presented to us. Like Ahaz, we want to be the hero. And you know, our desire to be the hero even affects the way that we read the Bible. I mean, let's take, let's take David and Goliath, for example. How, how many times have we heard... That, that we are David, right, in, in, in that story. Just with a little more faith, we can be David. And, and here's like five stones, here's like five little ways that we can use to conquer the Goliaths in our lives. I mean, man, I've probably told that story in that way before. We want to be the hero. We want to be David. Taking on the Goliath. We're not David. In David and Goliath? Jesus is David in David and Goliath. We're the Israelites hanging out on the shores, unable to do anything to protect ourselves, unable to get ourselves out of the situation that we have been put in. We're the Israelites, scared, alone, unable to protect and defend ourselves. And here comes God, the hero, David. Walking in and delivering us from our problem, delivering us 
from our issue, delivering us from the sin in our lives, the Goliath. We want to be the hero, just like Ahaz. And so Ahaz politely declines Isaiah. He politely says no to God. And he he words it in this way, I will not put the Lord to the test. And, you know, since he words it that way, like, it kind of makes sense to us, right? I mean, when Jesus was tempted, when Satan brings Jesus up onto the top of that, uh, onto the top of the, the, the temple, and he says, jump off. And if you are, you know, if you are God, then, then angels will come and they will save you. And how does Jesus respond to Satan at that point? He says, it tells us not to put God to the test. And so when Ahaz says that here, like, it kind of rings a little true to our ears, right? Yeah, like, we're not supposed to do that. That's not something that that we're supposed to do. Ahaz, he words it in such a way that it sounds pious. You know, it sounds like the good Christian response, the good Christian thing to do. But he's really saying, I don't need or want your help, God. You know, I've, I've got this. I can do it on my own. He's saying, look how awesome I am. You know, look how holy I am. Look how religious I am. I won't put God to the test. That would be, that would be improper. Do we ever do that? Do we ever say, nah, you know, thanks God, but I've, I've got this. I'm good. I can do it on my own. You know, maybe, maybe it doesn't come across that bluntly. Maybe it's more of a, you know, God, I, I don't want you involved in this part of my life. I want to be able to do what I want to do, like, in this, in this part of my life right here. I want to be able to act this way around my friends. I want to be able to do this or, or like, to do that without feeling bad. I want to live the way that I want to live sometimes. Do we ever feel that way? Do we ever, like, think that way? How does, how does God respond to Ahaz? Isaiah 7, 13 to 14. And he said, this is, this is Isaiah speaking to Ahaz. This is the response. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How does he respond? First, he he recognizes, I mean, you're wearing out men and now you're going to wear out God too with with your frustration, with with your lack of reliance on other people. He's like, whatever. We're taking this out of your hands then. We are now just removing this from you, period. Because he responds to Ahaz with a prophecy about Jesus. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Familiar with what Emmanuel means? It's God with us. God's response to all the trouble to the impending destruction of Israel 
to their having all of these nations allied against them. Well, the two nations allied against them, supposedly trying to save them from the bigger one that's just waiting to eat them itself. His response to all of this is to say, I am with you. Even though the king is saying, I don't want you anywhere near this. I want you away from this part of my life. I don't want you to get the credit for what's going on in this situation. God is still saying, yeah, you can think that and you can feel that. I am with you. Even though you've rejected me, even though you don't want my help, even though you are running from me, here is my solution to the problem that you have. I am with you. God with us. Man, what a promise. What a blessing that is for us. So put yourself in Ahaz's shoes. You know, for some of us, as, as we just, re- just like recognized, you know, that we're already wearing them to a degree or in some areas of our lives. So put ourselves in those shoes and then, and then answer this question. Where do we put our hope? What are we banking on? Like where, where do we put our hope? Ahaz is is putting his hope in his actions. He's putting his hope in his allies. He's putting his hope in his traditions. And really, so are the people of Judah. They're going through the motions of their biblical faith. And then when life got real, they didn't see any relevance for God's help in their lives. Where do we put our hope? Who are we trusting to save us? Ourselves? Our parents, our friends, God. You guys, we can trust in Jesus. We can put our hope in Jesus. As, as Eki read, Romans 5, we're just going to read 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As we go through those, those hard times, as we deal with the armies, the nations, or just the things that have been like, you know, put in our way, the struggles that we face, the hope that that builds in us, that expectation that that builds in us in Jesus Christ will not disappoint us. As we were hanging out in that that hotel room in Moose Jaw, the next morning we woke up, not really sure how all of this was going to go down. Not sure what was going to happen. That morning, um, we, uh, we went to go and, and get our continental breakfast because, hey, got to take advantage of that. And as we walked in, the lady at the counter saw us and she was like, whoa, that's a mess of kids. And so she decided to come and talk to us. 
Because people just seem to want to do that when, when they see a bunch of children. Like, hey, let's, let's go talk to these people. It's fantastic. It's, it's, it's great. So she came and she started talking to us and, and she heard our story. You know, like, what are you guys doing here? Where are you going? Why, why did you stop at Medicine Hat if you were leaving from Calgary? Like, what's happening here? And so we let her know what, we were going, what was going on. And she's like, oh, man, you guys can just – normally we don't let people take food back to their rooms. But please take some food back to your rooms. And then – like an hour later, we got a call, and, and she said, hey, why don't you come? There's, there's been some things left for you at the counter here. And so we went to the counter, and, and she had put together a bunch of, like, goodie bags for the boys. And so she had put together all these little toys and stuff, and so I, I took those back to the room. And the boys now had toys and things to play with besides the, like, two books that we had brought with them that they had read a bunch of times and, 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 and the television. They were able to start, like, engaging and interacting with each other, and that was, that was really good. A little bit later, I, I got a call from the front desk, and she said, yeah, so I don't know who it was, and I don't know what happened, but someone called in, and they, they just paid your hotel bill, so you don't, have to, you don't have to pay that anymore. And I'm like, what in the world? Okay, well, well, well thank you. And so I went, went back to the room, and then a little bit later, she gave me another call, and, and I came out, and she's like, here's a bunch of boxes from Perkins for your dinner. So you can just, just have this. We, you know, we, we let the Perkins down the street know, and they've just been really good when people are stranded, when they've been having a hard time. This restaurant just provides meals for, for those that are stuck. And so here's a bunch of food for, for you to eat. And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And then at about 4 o'clock, I, I, uh, it was actually about 2 o'clock, I got a call from the, uh, from the transmission place. And they said, you know, Things didn't quite go as we had expected. There was no salvaging your transmission. That sucker was just done. Like, it's just dead. Move on from this thing. And so there's no way that we could repair it. And so we, we were able to get a hold of a refurbished transmission. And, and we had it, like, rushed down here. And it just got here. And now we're going to be installing it into your car. And I'm like, okay. That freaked me out. Because I had been given a quote for a repair not for a, a purchase of a refurbished transmission. So now, what is the bill going to be? How is this going to work? We got the call at 5 o'clock that afternoon that, that the van was done. And so I, you know, we scraped together the, the cash that we had. And I went and I showed up. And she told me it was going to be $2,995. And I was like, that's like five bucks less. And then what you quoted me for a lesser job, and, and, and she just said, well, that's, that's your bill, sir. And I, how do you deal with those emotions? I didn't know how we were going to make it. I didn't know what we were going to do. And then, and then here, while we were still out that money, it was so clear how God was taking care of us through that situation, how God was meeting the needs that we had. I mean, we pulled into Fergus with not much. Our kitty was gone. Like, it was now a transmission in a piece of crap 2002 caravan that was going to have to last us for a while now. We didn't have much to open a bank account. We didn't have much to get going. We didn't have a job. We did have a place to live. I didn't know how we were going to make it. But we did. Here we are, you know, three years later, four years later now, I guess. That was a crazy time in, uh, in our life, but it was just so encouraging to see how God was at work. The physical situation was pretty stretching. And, you know, it, 
It pales, though, to sometimes the spiritual situations that we find ourselves in. It can be really hard to be in those situations where it feels like things are stacked against us and we don't know where to lean. We don't know how to move forward. And all we have left to do is to lift our eyes to the hills. To lift our eyes to God and say, man, I need, I need help. I can't do this on my own. As we lift our eyes, let's, let's read the, the rest of the verses of our passage tomorrow. morning. It, be, it begins with, I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Picking up in verse 2 of Psalm 121. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He will not go to sleep on you. He does not nap or fall asleep when you need him. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. We are not promised that life here on earth will be a time of peace and prosperity. In fact, we are promised the opposite. But in answer to that, in answer to the troubles of life, in answer to the pain, in answer to the sadness, in answer to the loss, in answer to the despair, we are promised help. Help that we desperately need because we cannot be the hero of our story. And since God knew we couldn't be the hero, he sent Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God sent us the hero. He sent us a hero. And that hero played the role of the servant. He took the sin of every one of us and he carried them to the cross. And he died for them, paying the price that we could not. And when we have faith in Jesus, when we believe that he did this work, that we are reconciled with God. Our sin no longer separates us from the Father because of the work of our hero, Jesus. He has done what we could not. The only way that we will be safe from the enemies that surround us, from the sin that threatens to overcome us, is if we trust in Jesus. We put our hope in his finished work on the cross. So lift your eyes to the hills. Read the Bible. Pray. Confess to your brothers and sisters and to God and be forgiven. And rest in the hope that you have in the promises of God. Our hope in Christ, our hero, will not disappoint us. Amen.